0: Alright, well welcome again. We're so glad you're here. Good to hear a, uh, a loud buzz of fellowship and uh, encouragement going on. It is so fun having all of you here. This is a great blessing. The Blitz uh, weekend celebration has been great. One of the big benefits of this is some of those guys and these other guys in the network, these are some of our best friends. And it is just such a blessing to have them in town and to be able to be following this dream uh, to just serve God and love God with your best friends. And our wives are all close, and so it is just truly a blessing. Uh, we use this word a lot that we just feel so spoiled by God and what He is doing. So this is really a wonderful day to be together and all jammed together here in this church. You know, as we, uh, we talk about... Really leveraging our life as Sean talked about last week and influencing people. I'm so grateful to remember the people that poured into me. And I shared this with you uh, very recently that I just celebrated my 30 year anniversary of asking Jesus to come into my life uh, this year, which is so cool. Totally changed everything for me. Most important decision I ever made. And I shared with you how Larry was this guy that came up to me in the Rogers dorm, which no longer exists. They have torn down the, the, the memorial that I had. They didn't ask me. Uh, they just tore it down. They put Centennial up. I wanted them to name Centennial something different, but I didn't have enough money to buy that name. Anyway... Larry came to Rogers. He led me to Christ. Even after those first few months, people would knock on my door, and I'd lock the door because I didn't want to go to church, and I was just in this fragile state. I needed gospel influence in my life. And Larry went out of his way to make sure I was going to be walking with Jesus and to get into the word. And one day, early on, just a few months into my faith, Larry called me. He was in his late 20s. Really cool guy, had a great job, Uh, worked in the community, and he calls me. I'm just this 18-year-old goofball, and he says, Hey, I'm really into these cars, uh, these sobs that I drive. These are really cool sports cars. And he said, I'm thinking about buying another car in Finley, Ohio, and I'd like to test drive it. Would you drive to Finley with me? Okay, I'm 18, barely know this guy. And I'm going to drive my a new sports car back, and would you drive my Saab back to Bowling Green for me? And I'm just like, why is he asking me to do this? This is crazy. And I was like, yes, I would love to do that. So we get in the car and we're driving, and again, I hardly know the guy, and I'm thinking, this is kind of weird, but I kind of have an idea, like this guy loves me, and he wants to help me in my faith, and we're just chit-chatting about sports, and we're about halfway down there, and he says, hey, I got something for you, and he hands me a new Bible, my first Bible I ever owned, and he said, read that on the inside, and I opened it up, and he says, you know, this has all the answers to life that you need, wear it out, Larry. And as we continued to drive, he just asked me, how's it going? Like, what are you, what are you thinking about God? And you understanding the gospel, and you're understanding forgiveness. And it was just this amazing moment that this guy just pouring into me, taking some ordinary thing in his life and including me in it to influence me. And you know what? I did wear that Bible out. I did what he asked me to do. I read that thing and I underlined it and I circled things till it was just falling apart and it changed my life. And I thank God that he was speaking to Larry and he was working through Larry to impact me. And I'll tell you, that was a fun day. It was awesome to talk to him. It was even more fun to drive his cool Saab sports car back to BG. I remember getting in the car and starting it up, and he's like, okay, be careful. And I was like, okay, I'll be careful. And I was careful as I took it up to 95 miles an hour (laughs) on 75 North. What a goofball I was. That's the only time in my life I've ever driven that fast. And it was exciting. I thank God for Larry. And this is the big idea for this morning what Larry did with me. We can do ordinary things in life with gospel intentionality. We can do the ordinary things that we do every day, and we can just include people in or have some spiritual eyes of what is going on around us and just say, God, How can you use my day? How can you use the things I'm doing to go get a car or to work in my yard or to serve somebody or when I'm at the grocery store or I'm with my family? How can I do these things with this intentionality? I love that word. To influence people for the gospel. Colossians 3 says this so well. In Colossians 3, 16 and 17, it says, Let the message about Christ, the gospel, In all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, there it is, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father this can really transform our lives. And that's really a big part of what this Blitz Month is all about, is whatever we're doing, whatever we're saying, the actions and the, and the, the desires of our lives and all of these ordinary things, we can include God in them and just put on that mindset of just a simple prayer. God, how can I represent you today to the people around me? Man, what, a, what an amazing, powerful prayer that we long for all of us to pray. As Brian was saying, you know, why do we call this Blitz Month? You know, we use that word a lot, and all of our churches are using the Blitz Month. And, and what that really means, if you think of, like, in football, when they send in the Blitz, what are they doing? They're really just sending everybody in on the defense to sack the quarterback. And those of you that don't know about football, you're like, thank you, that didn't help me at all. <laughs> but... It's really just sending in extra people for a focused effort. And you know, I think about Blitz Month kind of like we would think about holidays, okay? Like we all love celebrating Christmas, right? We buy gifts, we think about Jesus' birth. Of course we love our family and our friends all through the year. Of course we buy each other gifts and we think about Jesus' birth all through the year. But what happens at Christmas? It's a little bit more focused effort. Or when I go on an anniversary trip with my wife, which we do every December to celebrate our anniversary. Of course, we want to love each other and say nice things to each other and be romantic and go out to eat all through the year. But our anniversary trip, that's a special time where we really invest in our love and try to warm up our relationship and and focus in on having a great marriage. It's a special, focused time to do something that we, we hope that we're doing all year round right and that's what this month is for our churches that's what blitz month is all about is we want to be a light to our community we want to be sharing the gospel with people we want to influence people but we're asking you to all join us and come together for a little bit more focused effort in these coming weeks which i'm going to be talking about it's a a season it's an important time And really what we're talking about here is like August 19th to September 9th is a really crucial time on our campuses and in our cities. As kids are going back to school and parents are making decisions about their families and about their schedule, and of course with these thousands of freshmen coming to to town, it is a really important time for all of us to just dive in and start you know, really thinking about how can we influence people a little bit more during this time. And I know that when we talk about inviting people, I know that when I talk to you about influencing someone for Jesus, a lot of us get nervous. You know, I, we carry these cards around. We have a whole bunch of these cards available, and we try to make all these opportunities easy for you to invite someone to H2O. And I know that when we do that, you know, to think about, I'm at the grocery store and say, hey, have you heard of H2O? You know, I just wanted to invite you. It's a church I really enjoy. Or would you want to come to my small group? Or would you like to, you know, somebody that we kind of know, hey, would you like to get coffee? And you ask them a spiritual question. I know that that makes you nervous. I know that we get fear and anxiety, but we need to believe in God working in us, getting our eyes off of ourselves because it isn't just a human effort what we're trying to do. We're not trying to ask you this month to just try a little harder in your own strength. We're asking you to turn your eyes off of yourself and to think of this big, holy, amazing God and how he can multiply the work in your life to impact people, because it's all about Him. It's all about for His glory, and it's all about His power. And as my eyes are on myself, and I'm thinking about my reputation or the awkwardness of inviting someone or asking someone a spiritual question, I still get nervous, and I could shut down, and I could give in to fear. But as I turn my eyes to God, and I think of what He might do through me, my confidence starts rising again. And I feel good, and I feel like it isn't about my reputation. It's about loving this person, and I'll step out in faith. And this is really the anchor verse of this morning is Ephesians 3.20, which is what I'm talking about. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, that verse gives me so much more confidence. It, it totally takes the burden off and the pressure off and, and gets my eyes on Him because it is Him who's able to do amazing things. Way beyond what you think you could do to influence the people around you, whatever limitations you're putting on yourself right now, God can do immeasurably more than whatever you're imagining. Because it isn't about us in our brokenness and in our insecurities and in all of our you know times where we're not as eloquent as we want to be. It's about his power and his work within us. And if you don't take anything else from this teaching, just focusing in on Ephesians 3.20, knowing, God, I'm just going to try something and I'm just going to let you work through me. It's a really amazing, beautiful part of being in his mission and this is happening. God is looking for people to to be that vessel. You know, when I look at those flags and I just hear about what God is doing, you know, we look at that and we just think, wow, okay, this is a God thing. This is a God wave to in 10 years have 12 different churches And I think of these pastors and their wives and the staff and and you student leaders that are here and how you're putting your faith in this holy God and what he's doing through you, and it's incredible. It's really incredible. Because people have told us over and over and over again, you can't plant college churches. It isn't sustainable. You can't have the maturity. You don't have the money. You can't do this dream. And I love it when they say that because it kind of gets my competitive juices going. I think, like, oh, I want to prove you wrong. But it kind of puts an exclamation point on what I'm saying is, yeah, we can't do it. It isn't sustainable in our power, and it doesn't make any sense. And that's why I love it because God's going to get all the glory. Because it's just an amazing thing. And I don't care if you're 16 years old or you're 60 years old. When you step out in faith, God is there. And so we need God's power and we need his help to do these things. And so I just want to give you a few things of like how we need to practically do this. How we need to get into this. And number one is we really need God's help for us to overcome some things to just get messy. Okay, that's the first thing to get into people's lives and to love them, to love the lost and help them come to know Jesus. We're going to need to get messy because their lives are messy. But you know, it's okay to kind of dive in there to their mess because we know we have our own messes too. I look at my own life sometimes and I think, wow, this is messy. I got a lot going on in my own life and in my marriage and in my family and, and there's a lot just to handle there. God, why am I going to step out and try to help somebody else? And it can be really intimidating, but this is what Jesus is calling us out to, and and it's hard and it's difficult, but but He'll come through, and He fixes the mess. I'm remembering a messy time in my life when years back, this is like one of the worst memories in my life, when in our house on Grove, when we lived here in BG, that uh, we we had this terrible odor in our house. And I went down into the basement, and there were three inches of sewage in my basement. It was horrible. We were just like, what is going on? It was so overwhelming. And uh, the, the basement itself is already dingy. Nobody wants to go down there. Now it's just like hell down there, okay? Okay. <laughs> And the the roof was like five feet high. You couldn't even stand in this. So I go down there to get messy. I got the shop vac and shovels and bags, and it is a disaster. And I'm like, surely I am in hell right now. (laughs) And it was so bad, I went out on the back step and just sat and prayed. And literally, like, tears were coming to my eyes. I was like, God, I can't do this. Why is this happening? And my wife, praise the Lord, she... She was an answer to prayer. She came out and she said, hey, did you think about just buying a whole bunch of cat litter and and throwing it down there? And I was like, that's brilliant. (laughs) Yes. And I bought a whole bunch of bags of cat litter and threw it all over this basement. An amazing thing happened. It just sucked it all up. It made it different. It made it manageable. And I opened up this little side window and I bagged it all up with a shovel and put it out the window. We called somebody. It was really cheap for them to come in and sanitize it. And it was done. And it was cleaner than it was before. <laughs> it's like, yes! Sometimes we want to dive into our own mess and other people's mess and it's overwhelming. But just like that cat litter like can change things and make it easier, Jesus is the one that's going to come in and fix the mess. You and I don't have to be the solution to people's messes. All we're doing is introducing them to the cleanup guy. We're introducing them to Jesus. And he can handle all this. He can handle that burden. I love the movie Bruce Almighty. Probably many of you have seen this. It's on TV a lot. There's this one small little scene that I love that I don't even know if you remember. It's kind of an insignificant scene. But Jim Carrey is going through all his stuff, and, and Morgan Freeman, who plays God in this movie, because he has a golden voice, and he should play God every time there's a movie. <laughs> he says to Jim Carrey, hey, I'll see you on the seventh floor on the seventh at 7 p.m. And Jim Carrey, uh, whatever, and he actually does show up, not even knowing what he's doing. And he goes up to the seventh floor of this building on the seventh at 7 p.m., and Morgan Freeman is up there with a mop. And he says to Jim Carrey, would you like to join me? And there's this little scene where they're mopping together in synchronicity. And it's a really beautiful little scene, this guy, this broken guy with God, cleaning up this mess. And here's what Morgan Freeman says as God at the end of their cleanup. It's a wonderful thing. No matter how filthy something gets, you can always clean it right up. I just love that line. The mess in our life and the mess in people's lives that are going on all around us, Jesus can clean it right up. He can handle that, and that is why we need to go out there. We need to invite. We need to hand them the water bottles. We need to give them a snow cone. We need to talk to them about Jesus, not because we have it all together, because we don't, and not because we think, oh, um, you know, maybe we don't want to do this because they just have such a good life. No, we all need Jesus to come in and and help us and clean us up. Jesus says here in Revelation 21.5, look. I am making everything new. He also adds right because these words are faithful and true. God is out there wanting us to join him to make everything new. Now to just finish up that story and to transition into my second point. I found out why my sewer was clogged. I went outside and I found our brand new PVC cleanup cleanout pipe filled with stones and I gathered my kids and the neighborhood kids, and one of the neighborhood kids said, yeah, I threw a whole bunch of stones from the driveway into that pipe and clogged it up. I felt angry, (laughs) to say the least. Very angry. There are things in this world that just really tick you off, which is my second point. We need to get angry, too. Now... What am I going to do with that anger? Did I beat up that little neighborhood kid? No. Did it cross my mind? That's between me and God. (laughs) But there's so much in this world that could just really anger us. And we sometimes don't know what to do with that anger. But I want to tell you this morning, there's a good place to funnel your anger. Jesus got angry. And what Jesus said in short is, I don't want you to get angry about the neighborhood, kid, or these political figures, or these people that are pursuing evil things. I want you to get angry at the enemy. I want you to hate their ideas. I want you to hate the things that pull people away from God and the things that diminish God's word. I want you to hate those things, and I want you to get angry, and I want you to get competitive and try to win against it. I love competition. I want to win. And when I have that anger, what's going on in our world, and I hear about people that are raped, and I hear about the, the drug abuse and, and the death and the foster kids that come out of this, and just all that we see in our news and all the bad things that are happening around us, God wants us to get angry and then want to do something about it and to start acting on it. Jesus says it so well. He, he holds on this dichotomy of Angry toward the ideas, but loving people. And Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have life abundantly. You see, these people that could make us angry, these people in our lives that we see all these bad things happening, God loves them. And he's saying the enemy is trying to compete for their soul. But Jesus has an abundant life for them, and we need to join that team. We need to get into that mission, and we need to start winning. We need to start fighting for people's souls. I remember a time recently when I got this kind of anger again, this righteous anger. Years back, I don't even know how many of you would know this or remember this, but there was this thing called Girls Gone Wild. And these evil guys would come and they'd try to trick these girls into doing all these indecent things and they would sell these videos, uh, just completely R rated things. They came to Bowling Green, Ohio, over there by Ziggy Zumba's. And we heard that they were coming and they got this trailer uh, where they do the filming and they parked it right there on Worcester Street. And I was like, this is sick. This is ridiculous. And Rob Warren and Maddo and I, the pastor at Toledo, the three of us were like, this is wrong. We need to go down there and we need to do something. And so we stood down there and we watched what happened and what they were waiting for. They would go in and out of this bar waiting for these girls to get more and more drunk in the bar and they would recruit them out to the, uh, the trailer. And they said, oh, come on, let's just do this little model shoot. And then as they were in there, they would try to talk them in to taking their clothes off. That was sick. And it totally ticked us off. So the three of us were out there and we're like, we're not going to allow this. This is, this is our town. We're not going to let this happen. And so we were getting in these guys' faces. And we were saying, hey, this is wrong what you're doing. And when those girls were walking the trail, we're like, hey, do you know that this isn't right? You know, God loves you. You have value. You're better than this. And we were talking some of them out of it, and some were like, oh, I'll just go in for a little bit. I was like, no, don't you understand what they're trying to do? And we would talk them out of it. And we were kind of getting up into the parking lot a little bit too much. I don't know if you remember this, Matto, but one of the policemen came, uh, and he said, hey, you gotta back up to the sidewalk. And it ended up the policeman is a Christian that we know. And he's like, this is cool. This is cool what you're doing. You keep doing it, just do it on the sidewalk. So it was awesome. And some of those girls, we talked out of it. And I remember one of the girls, she goes, oh, you remind me of your, my dad. I was like, okay, I, I guess I'm old. I'll take that. But then I said, well, yeah, speaking of that, what would your dad think? Of it? Oh, he would, he'd be mortified. I said, all right, you know, call your dad right now. Tell him you love him. Don't do this. We need to step out in faith. We need to act on our anger. Another thing that really ticked me off a few years ago, um, you know, I I know they're all having fun on Worcester there, but when they're all moving in, all these freshmen are there, those houses, a lot of them have big parties. And sometimes they'll hang up those banners um, on their houses that say all kinds of things, you know. And I remember driving down there one year and just praying for all those people out there partying. And one of the guys hung a sheet out on his house, and here's what it said. Don't worry, Dad, we won't make her sleep on the floor and I was like oh man there's probably some people that think that's funny but I want to punch somebody right now you know I was thinking that's sick and when you have a daughter I didn't have a daughter at that time now that I have a daughter it like really fuels up more of that anger and I know God loves that kid that guy that hung that out there and I don't want to get angry at him I want him to know Jesus I want him to know how to value women and get married to a Christian woman and have a good marriage. These are the things that we're fighting for. And so we go on the offense and we allow God to turn our anger into change. And this last point, uh, really why we do that is because we want to love people like Jesus. And that's the third thing is, is we need to get a big heart for people. We need to be like Jesus and really love other people. And I know sometimes people are unlovable. I know sometimes I'm unlovable. But God wants us to love people anyway. You know, all through Luke, Jesus is trying to explain to us through that gospel that Jesus cares about lost people. And that's what we want to be all about in this next month. We want to be about lost people. And in Luke 15, Jesus is explaining this. There's some sinners there, and there's some righteous people there. And and he says, look, there's a lost sheep. You go after it because you love it. There's a lost coin. You go after it because you value it. And there's a lost son, and you go after it because God cares for them. And he explains this in in Luke 15, 1 and 2, setting up this whole chapter. says, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You see, the tax collectors and the sinners were the worst people of that time. That's a phrase that they would use to explain the really sinful outcasts. And it blows me away that God did not hate those people. He didn't get angry toward them and punish them immediately. He said, I hate what you do, but I love you. And he sent Jesus to reach them and to reach us. And he sent Jesus to die for them. And, and, the, and the religious people of the time didn't like this because he welcomed them. He welcomed these sinners to eat with them. He said, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to share a meal with you. And I want to tell you how you can change your life. And so I just want to, to end with this story and end with this question. You know, what can you do in your life, even more focused this next month, to love people? Think of the people in your life that God's putting on your heart right now. What are ways that you can love people even more so than you are right now. And I love diving into these things, even though I'm scared and I'm insecure and I'm thinking, how's this going to go? I feel the same ways that you do. But when you do it, it's so exciting. When I think about really loving a couple that Mary Lynn and I were reaching out to, I think of this couple, Stacy and Cat. Stacy was this big, strong guy that was living in our neighborhood when we were on Grove, and his girlfriend's name was Catherine, and they called her Cat. And Mary Lynn was flipping a house on that neighborhood when we lived there. And we would be working on this house, and this couple would come down every once in a while. And I could tell right away just the alcohol on his breath and the way that they talked and everything I knew there was a lot of problems there and he didn't have a job and he said hey will you hire me to do some work on this flip house and I was just thinking man this probably in just an earthly way is not a good decision but as we got to know that I just we really loved them and we wanted to help them and we wanted to bless them and so I just started doing drywall, you know, with, with Stacy and talking to him and getting to know him. And, and he would help with my driveway, and we were just paying him as we go and just getting to know them. And, and every once in a while, you know, he'd ask me for something or I'd ask him for something, and we built this relationship through working on this house. And, you know, he'd say, hey, can you help me carry this air conditioner up into our apartment? It's like, yeah, and we, we did life together for a little bit. It was weird, though. Sometimes he'd say, you know, hey, can you pay me in advance for the work that I'll do tomorrow? And it's like, ah, okay. You know, that was the messy part of, of being in relationships. And sometimes we'd say yes, and sometimes we'd say no. I remember one time they borrowed our bikes. They said, hey, can we borrow your bike to go get groceries? And they did that a couple times. And then one time, the bikes just never came back. Like, Stacy, where's our bikes? Those are our kids' bikes. And I don't know. You know, took it to Walmart, and I think they got stolen. It's like, okay. <laughs> it was just hard and weird. But we just kept loving them. And the really cool thing was when they finally, after a few months, started opening up, he finally admitted, he says, man, we both have a drug problem. And our, our relationship's really suffering, and Kat is, really needs rehab. And I said, man, what can I do for you? He said, would you drive us up to Toledo? And I don't even know how to do this, but would you help me get her checked in to rehab? I was like, yeah, love to do that. And Mary Lynn just, and I just shared the gospel with them. And we loved them. And we drove them up there and we dropped her off. And a couple weeks later, we picked her up and she just looked different. She looked healthier and she was smiling. And we just kept telling her, you know, God loves you. God cares for you. God wants to change your life. And those few months that we knew them was was sweet. And they moved to Faustoria and they moved away. And it was glorious to know that we were just working with God to just move the needle in their life. They didn't ask Christ into their life with us. You know, we didn't have any drastic conversion. That would have been a great ending to the story. But that wasn't our part for them at that season of life. It was just, just come and love them plant the seed, warm them up, and move their needle a little closer to Jesus. And it's exciting. It's exciting to live that way and to feel that God is using you in that way. And we want to invite every one of you into that because God's worthy. He's so worthy of that. We're going to sing one of my favorite songs right now. And it's just that. It's just, God, use me because you're so worthy of it one of the lines in this song says, God, fill me with your heart to love people so that I might show your love to those around me. And that's, that's really our prayer. So let me pray that and we'll sing that song together.